0: Hi I'm Beth and I'm Leslie welcome to Quinn's a little sweet a little tart
1: and a little unexpected
0: today is Monday the first day of January in the year of our Lord 2018 happy new year happy new year indeed we are so lucky today Leslie We have a special person to interview. Well, who is it? (laughs) I love it. He's just going to get right into the the whole mood of our Quince podcast. This fine gentleman is called Felix, and Felix is going to tell us about himself, rather than me go into it. If you can just start with a bit of a bio.
1: Sounds good. I'm uh, originally born and raised in Germany uh, until age 23, and then I moved to the U.S., uh, first essentially to Florida, uh, to pursue my master's degree in political science, Um, and then once I was done with that, I uh, stayed on to do a a Ph.D. down in, in Tampa, Florida as well. So, I've been here now for
0: four and a half years. Wonderful. So, what made you decide first off to go to an American university? And tell us a bit about your undergraduate work, too.
1: Um, My undergraduate work I did in Munich, which is about six hours from where I grew up. So, it's uh, within Germany, it's a fair distance with the US, within the US, not so much. Right. Um, and I did a undergraduate degree in political science as well. And I mainly focused on how...
0: Okay, let me... Never let, mind. No, no, no that's no. all right. I'm, I, I'm interested essentially, in... Essentially,
1: I focused on um, how economic liberalization enhanced um, kind of the overall well-being of humans all over the world
0: oh very
1: fascinating Um, so the
0: whole international economy from from the very beginning
1: it's a it's a very traditional approach i i would say that i'm not terribly proud of what i wrote back then (laughs) it was a little bit naive i would say but um,
0: well, aren't we all at eighteen when, I guess when so. we start I guess college? So. <laughs> that's that's why we do this. Yeah. That's why we
1: have a Certainly. liberal
0: arts education. Certainly. That's you right. Know.
1: But with the masters, and then um, overall, with more reading on the issues over the years, I, you know, have realized some of the the mistakes or simplifications that I did back then. And uh, nowadays, I'm focusing more on um, contemporary elements of um, the political economy, specifically how new currencies like cryptocurrencies like Bitcoin and um, others um, potentially might influence economic um, exchanges in the future.
0: Wow, that is so interesting. And I'm just going to throw in a little aside here. Um, I got a Christmas letter from a friend of mine, used to be a neighbor up in uh, Hinesburg, Vermont, whose son is a couple years older than you, but not much. And he has has a doctorate in something or other, but he has formulated his own... Uh, Bitcoin, crypto currency, and is working on that, and that just came in the Christmas letter. And I thought, uh-huh. boy, it's a good thing I talked to Alex. I mean, uh, Felix, Fritz, Fritz. Felix whatever. <laughs> I've called the poor boy Fritz for years now. That I talked to Felix uh, this summer when I was swimming in the pond, and yeah. you were studying. And while I swam laps, you explained to me about Bitcoin because I had no clue. Could you tell just sort of an overview to our listeners? Because besides the fact that it's been in the news the last couple weeks because of the explosion of of the amount of money that that people can get for Bitcoin, I think prior to that Very few people actually know what in the heck you're talking about.
1: Certainly. So um, Bitcoin and a series of currencies like it um, are essentially currencies that are a mode of exchange that is completely... Removed from the influence of both the state, right? So the U.S. Mm -hmm. dollar is backed by the Federal Reserve, which is an institution of the state. Um, And typically, if you do banking and most of this, you know, exchanges of money nowadays um, are done through the commercial banking system. So, and Bitcoin and currencies like it Get rid of both.
0: Hmm. First
1: of all, um, the once the idea of this currency was born, virtually every, anyone could set up a new one, right? So there's now hundreds, maybe up to a thousand competing cryptocurrencies that vary in the value, certainly, hmm. and the adoption and the, a couple of... Minor modifications regarding the underlying code that they're based on, but um technically, you and I could set up our own cryptocurrency and start exchanging it Sure, sure, presumably, no one would want any part of that because it was just between me and you. But if we set an, a value and say, "Hey, I give you whatever two quince coins um I like that. (laughs) Or, you know, um, you driving me to the store tonight or something or tomorrow, then obviously that would be a mode of exchange that we could do. So in
0: a way, you know, growing up in West Virginia, you know, my dad was an old country doctor where people would pay him in a load of coal, a load of firewood, some venison meat, some trout, a bag of cucumbers, you Yes, know. in
1: a sense, it is a mode of exchange that kind of goes back to the barter system, in a sense, only that you still have this universal mode of exchange, but it's not controlled by anyone. It's, you, neither you, if you want to send up uh, an account... You can do that on your own, on your computer. You don't need to go to a third institution, third-party institution like a bank or even... um, Yeah, anyone.
0: So how do you buy? Like say I wanted to buy a Bitcoin, like the stock market type situation. How would I go about purchasing one?
1: There is a variety of exchanges privately run that you could just websites, essentially, um, but also physical retailers that essentially have what they call Bitcoin ATMs, huh. where you can just walk up to a machine and you either feed cash into it or you enter your credit card and then you will enter your account information, just your account number, your Bitcoin account number. And where will...
0: did you get that number?
1: You generate it with a piece of software on your home computer or on okay. your phone. Okay. You know. So,
0: wow! So, how did you know when it was up to what seventeen thousand dollars a yes. week or two ago? Yeah. Where would you have gone to get? Could you actually get that in cash if you sold your bitcoins back?
1: Yes, you, you must so most certainly could have um, if you had Bitcoin at the time. You could have sold for that amount of money.
0: And who would have been paying that? These private retail um, websites.
1: Some ATMs allow you to sell back Bitcoin as well, Mm -hmm. typically at, you know, 20% below value or something because at some point they need to make a profit margin as well. Right. But um, you could have, first of all, uh, obviously with online shopping, you could have bought physical goods or services online. Uh There's now a variety of um, companies that accept Bitcoin as an equivalent payment to the dollar.
0: You're kidding me. Right, you so mean a company like um, Dell
1: Amazon or uh, Amazon not, but Dell, for example. Dell
0: accepts. You it? know, Dell. So I just, I could go buy a computer with Bitcoin. Indeed, you can. Wow.
1: I have done it. My laptop right over there bought with Bitcoin. You're kidding yeah. me. Twenty fourteen.
0: Has is been now possible for more than three years. So, that is very cool. <laughs> I just I, is, I still have a little bit Of a hard time You can buy Plane
1: tickets You can buy hotel rooms um, I once flew up here To of um With a ticket Bought with Bitcoin Wow
0: yeah. And that was like Delta Or Southwest um, or I something. don't
1: remember Which airline it was It might have been American or US Airways I don't mm-hmm. think it was Delta
0: Wow That is just so fascinating Do you think You know uh, I've heard people say in the last couple weeks Just people who don't know what they're talking about You know That it's a fad And it's going to come and go But if it's that well established That you can buy a plane ticket
1: I mean it has been around Since The establishment Like it, It was established in early 2000 Or late 2008 I believe And at that point, a Bitcoin was worth essentially nothing. Um, I think the true um, record-keeping regarding what a Bitcoin might be worth started sometime in 2010. Um, And at that point, you might have gotten two or three cents for one Bitcoin Mm -hmm. or something like that, Mm -hmm. right? Minuscule. Um, Especially if you compare the effort that You had to put in to actually get it, right? That you had to install a program and then you um, use your pending, idle CPU and uh, GPU processing power in your computer to, at the time, mine Bitcoin, right? Which nowadays you can do, but you won't get anything out of it because there's now highly specialized. devices that are designed to do nothing but mine bitcoin and typically they're you know you can buy them for a couple of thousand dollars but i wouldn't uh, recommend that that at all is that
0: what they cost on the market now
1: yeah i mean it's like they're relative to your laptop computer they're a lot more advanced and a lot more specialized and therefore effective in doing it so you can probably yeah you can buy some pretty good equipment but it's mm-hmm. you know it costs a lot of power to run them because they just run on full consumption of, of power and uh, resources obviously the whole time so its, it's can get expensive to run them
0: and to depending run on
1: the, the equipment the, the,
0: the equipment to do the bit coin
1: mining which is the creation process to um, mint new bitcoins essentially.
0: Oh, my goodness. Yeah, it's it's going to take, uh, take my brain a little yeah. while to figure this out. But I would like to ask one more thing about sure. this. And that is, how will it influence international economies? Is this what you're working on for that's your the, PhD? Yeah, I
1: mean, that's the big question, I would say. Um, I would say it already has had an influence in a very minor way, but not in the United States. Um, So one of the big issues in more repressive governments and states around the world, or states with more repressive governments, right, is that the state wants to, or might want to control the amount, the ability of the people, the citizens, to move money and capital out out of that state. Right, right, right. So if you live in, I don't know, North Korea or something and you unexpectedly, though it might be impossible, um, get rich there, uh, the North Korean government wouldn't let you leave. Right. right. Because oh, you, can't, yeah. you can't travel, right? <laughs> right. But if you still wanted to transfer some money out of the country, right, um, you couldn't do that by just leaving or taking a bunch of North Korean currency in your backpack or uh, briefcase and then board a plane. Right? Mm-hmm, right? So one of the things that you could do would be to either go to a bank, li- liquefy your cash that you have on hand into a bank account and then transfer that money. But that also could be blocked by the state. Right, like Switzerland
0: and Cayman Islands.
1: Right, and one of the opportunities that Bitcoin offers is that there is at the moment very few if maybe even no possible points of intervention that the state could do. As long as you're able to get the Bitcoins, they can't stop you from moving those Bitcoins out of the country.
0: Oh, that's interesting So you might be able
1: to um, let's say in China or something like that buy with Yuan some Bitcoins and sell them in the United States and then all of a sudden you have dollar in the United States whereas Mm -hmm. the uh, Chinese government might restrict you from transferring your Yuan into dollar and then moving the dollars by sending them to Wells Fargo or something just Mm -hmm. an American bank somewhere else
0: so then yeah. could you um would you put things like this in your will I mean if you had children and you had bitcoins you lived in China you had bitcoins that were now American dollars could you then leave that to someone in an estate most certainly uh-huh you just they just had to assume your your account number
1: yeah I mean um, a bitcoin is um, a bitcoin account is um, used as, well it's not used, but it um, has two components there's the public account number that is needed to send you bitcoin mm-hmm. and then there is uh, essentially a, a private part that's complementary to your uh, public. Bitcoin address and only if you have that private key you can access the Bitcoin and move it around later on Mm -hmm. so if you say were to inherit uh, you know or wanted to gift someone Bitcoin you would have to provide them with the if you didn't want to send them the Bitcoin right or inherit it you would have to provide them with the a private key that is necessary to access right. the value. Right. Once you lose that private key, it's gone. It's, gone. it's essentially irretrievable. Um, wow, money. Wow, uh, that's. At that, point. that is fascinating.
0: Which has happened?
1: There's people that um, mined Bitcoin in the early days, um, put that on external hard drives. Um, their their account information. Because at the time it was worth nothing, so there was no need to put effort into it, or right. you know. And then, five years later, they realized, oh, Bitcoin all of a sudden is worth a thousand bucks per uh, per coin. Where's this old hard drive? Oh, I moved last year. I threw it in the trash. Oh no! And um, I think there's at least one story that has been reasonably verified from the UK where someone threw away like. Five hundred Bitcoin or something.
0: Oh my goodness!
1: Yeah, which nowadays
0: oh, is a good
1: amount of money. So.
0: Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, that's fascinating. So tell me just uh, some numbers of how many people are involved in this economy. I'm
1: actually not sure. Um, certainly, it's a most it's a it's a low number. I don't have I haven't kept track. It's okay. essentially also impossible to say how many people um actual participate because the since you can generate account numbers infinitely you can or it makes sense even to pro- protect your privacy by using account numbers only once so you can't even check oh someone had there's like oh 10 million account num- numbers are out there so 10, pe- 10 million 10 million people participate in the bitcoin economy
0: But that's not true.
1: You can't say that because... You may
0: have a thousand accounts yourself. That kind of thing. Yeah,
1: theoretically that would be possible. Right. Easily possible.
0: Whoa, that is very interesting.
1: Hmm. And you can generate dormant accounts which only become visible essentially once you transfer money into it, right? So I can create a million accounts tomorrow and as long as... No one can trace those obviously because no one ever has sent money there. Mm-hmm. Right? So, only once someone sends uh, money as Bitcoin, I use it interchangeably, which I probably shouldn't. Uh-huh. but Maybe um, currency. Yeah, as really soon as Bitcoin. someone sends a, a coin there or part of a coin, um, then it becomes part of the overall uh, blockchain, which is kind of the public ledger. Um, in which all
0: transactions of Bitcoin are are traced. So, sort of like the stock exchange of Bitcoins. Um, If it's a public ledger where it could be... At least an estimate.
1: In a sense... I wouldn't say stock exchange, Mm -hmm, but um, it's...
0: Well, Federal Reserve, then, except sure, be but even there, no reserve. one knows.
1: No one obviously knows um, who exactly owns stock.
0: Wow!
1: Right. So, and, all
0: right, this is going to be the big question. I'm sure every government in the on the planet is asking, "How do you tax this money?"
1: Um, typically, so far, it is done. Once people exchange...
0: Mm-hmm. Like um, when you bought your computer,
1: it's like yes. now
0: you have to pay exactly. taxes on exactly. it.
1: And typically I think it's... Um, well, then sales tax would be taken, but that... I obviously... Sure, I pay it, but then Dell is responsible for...
0: The sales tax. So that still it, so. isn't the... Like, say you had two Bitcoins that were worth 17000 says so that's $34,000. Sure. And if you actually got the cash dollars, that's when the U.S. government would say to a citizen, now we want our money. I'm assuming there is...
1: I believe there is the IRS wants also... Um, what is it called? If you buy something and appreciates in value, then there is a tax on the appreciated yes. value, right? Yes. And I believe the IRS wants to collect on that money, but they only, so they work with US-based exchanges to see who is buying and selling, and thus they can essentially require the companies to make share their business documents with the IRS uh-huh. to then tax people. Right. Um,
0: Gosh, this is going to yeah. get very complicated. I
1: believe there is currently a couple of lawsuits pending where the IRS essentially has request, requested business documents about who has sold Bitcoin. Mm-hmm. Um, and the companies try to still fight back against that.
0: Ooh, this is yeah. going to get very complicated all over this planet oh, it, it already
1: is it already is
0: yes oh i love it really very it's, very fascinating it's a lot fascinating. Of fun
1: it's surprisingly difficult to explain in simple terms
0: oh you're doing a good but, job i think well, even even if i don't quite understand okay. it i'm i'm learning more and more sure. um how did you first become acquainted what was your very first encounter
1: I must still have lived in Germany at the time. I think I first read about it in maybe 2010 or something. And at the time, I was not interested enough to actually buy some Bitcoin. But I thought the idea of a currency that was purely digital and didn't have a physical representation. Mm As well as was, was not bound by any state, sounded interesting enough to keep up with it so then I on a regular basis started essentially looking for news articles on it Um, and I probably for the first time actually got a Bitcoin maybe in 2013 or so just because at that point wanted then to experiment what it would be like
0: how much did that
1: cost you at that time I am to be honest not sure Uh, might have been in the Hundreds of dollars.
0: Oh, is that right? Even even back I think then.
1: So, or it was on the verge to become. You know, maybe it was some somewhere between.
0: But that was a big purchase for a twenty-one-year-old or something. Sure, uh, but it, yeah. like
1: it was more. A, I had looked out something that I could buy with Bitcoin, right? So at the time, I'm not sure what it was, but. Um. Yeah.
0: So it's a part of your life.
1: Yeah. You know, it's like, it's. it was, at the at that time, it was just fun. Right. And to a certain point, it has stayed fun, mm-hmm. for the most part, mm-hmm. um, in that I never bought Bitcoin to invest into it and keep on to them and hang on to them, mm-hmm. but I merely wanted to See what was possible with doing it with, with using them. Sure, it was part As, of your
0: study. It was in like the, in research. A sense, yes,
1: it was like the beginning of research in the sense of what can I do with this? Where is the value?
0: Do you think um, people will someday, or maybe they are already being uh, paid salaries in
1: Bitcoin? Coin. I believe the there's at least one foundation, the Electronic. On frontier foundation which is kind of um doing advocacy on behalf of internet users in the kind of internet digital civil rights in a sense hmm. uh, in the u.s um which i think definitely accepts donations in bitcoin which a variety of foundations do but i think also uh Allows their employees to take a portion of their salary of their choice, paid out in Bitcoin. Oh, there you go. All right. Um,
0: now, are there other students? You know, you study at the University of South Florida yeah. in Tampa. Is there anyone else that you know of there um, getting degrees in in the study of of cryptocurrency? Um,
1: You certainly have, at the very least, the two most intuitive fields of study when it comes to the study of of Bitcoin, probably is business and then uh, computer science, Mm -hmm. right? And I would say the majority of people that I know that work on Bitcoin come from those two fields. Mm -hmm. And then, obviously, the, the third component might be sociology as well as then political science, right. which I do. Right, so, you're coming
0: at it from a but, governmental, international yeah. governmental yeah. standpoint.
1: Yeah. My, my degree is in is in government, doctorate in, PhD in government, but essentially what we're doing is political science, and I'm sp- especially doing um, IPE, which is International Political Economy. Right. So, um, that... That is the angle from which I approach it. Mm-hmm. So, and then essentially to see how specifically this new form of currency, if it ends up being Bitcoin or something else is essentially to me irrelevant, but it's the new the new concept of that type of cryptographic currency that's now out there, um, how that influences the sovereignty of the state, which uh, the sovereignty of the state Essentially, is just um, the ability of the state to make independent decisions for its citizens.
0: So you will eventually. It sounds like you'll have job security, especially as this goes. We'll so see. would we'll would see. you work? I wonder so. for a government or something, some international company. Or even like the United Nations or some equivalent Um, of that?
1: At the very least, there are um, experts at the FBI, experts at the Secret Service, experts, I'm assuming, in most intelligence agencies nowadays. Right, of any country. Any country and any any large law enforcement agency.
0: Oh, Um,
1: wow. I'm assuming the IRS maybe doesn't hired people but is educating their own people so there's lots of opportunities in government service for sure but um also lots of businesses uh develop new business opportunities surrounding bitcoin and that might be exchanges that might be um
0: And gosh, you...
1: Investment opportunities might be like the the eBay of Bitcoin or something like that. Right, right. um, Doesn't have to necessarily be that an existing company adopts Bitcoin, but might also be that there are... um,
0: Maybe more like the PayPal of
1: of Bitcoin. Sure. Ah. Um, Right, and eventually, if that becomes big enough that overall Bitcoin-focused or cryptocurrency-focused economy, there might be opportunities in lobbying lawmakers um on behalf of those companies. So Jeez. we'll see how and if goes. nothing
0: else there's education. <laughs>
1: there's education certainly and there is uh I'm sure there are lots of think tank opportunities already out there. Oh um, yes. For potential later employment. Yeah. But well, that's not what I'm focused on. I'm I better get my dissertation in first. So. <laughs> so what's the title of your
0: dissertation?
1: Um has not yet been determined. Okay, has I been.
0: understand. You have a working title. No, I do not. <laughs> I do not. Okay.
1: Well, that's determined. all right.
0: That's okay. We'll ask you that next year when Sounds you're good. back. I'm telling sure us Sure, I'll be
1: back either in
0: the summer or around Christmas. I know. We just love it when you come. And let's get a little bit more to the personal. Sure. I'd love to hear the story about how you have ended up here via your father meeting our dear friends Peter and Kathleen way Mm, before you were even born.
1: Indeed. It was, uh, I believe it's 1988, in which my father um just took a vacation in the United States and um, he was in San Francisco and he was kind of lost um and he asked he met a random guy on the street
0: oh my Peter, goodness in this case, fate. fate who just
1: was... <laughs> um essentially asked him for directions to the youth hostel mm mm-hmm. um and Peter said, hey, why don't you come over to our house, or my house, and just have dinner with us? And maybe you can even stay the night there. And that's that's what happened, I believe. So they just randomly met, uh, hit it off, and I think my father stayed for a few days with uh, Peter and Kathleen in their, I think at the time, apartment or newly bought house, I'm not sure. Um, And since then, they either Peter and Kathleen came to Germany every few years and we kept up that way, or we visited uh, the United States um, a few times over the years. So the first time Peter and Kathleen met me was in 1994, uh, shortly before I turned four years old. Um, And since then, I think every maybe three to five years, on average, we saw each other for a brief period of time through various visits. And now, since 2013, a whole lot more, given that I was uh, a lot more accessible uh, living down in Florida.
0: I just I love it. I love it. That that is the sort of thing that uh, brings our world together. And I mean, who better to meet than Peter? Yes, certainly. who is so open and friendly and yeah. embracing. Yes, I can. I can hear him saying to your dad, "Well, well, why don't you just come over and have supper with us tonight?"
1: Indeed, indeed, <laughs> and uh, they. You know, have kept up, and they... My parents were here last year. Mm-hmm. Last year... No, at this point, two years ago, 2016, right? For oh, I days. know. Oh, we yeah. have to
0: start thinking that since this <laughs> is the
1: first day of Indeed. 2018. Indeed. And, uh, yeah, I think they might even come back this year, so...
0: Well, good. You know, good. No plans
1: have been made, but there have been has been talk about... My parents either coming down to Florida or to Virginia Mm -hmm. in the summer.
0: Now, when you decided to go to University of South Florida, had you looked at other schools in the U.S. or did you have your eye on a specific program? Uh,
1: I knew that I wanted to do political science, continue with that. Uh, I knew it must have been a master's degree. I did not want to do a doctorate immediately. Right. Um, And... It was a fairly short-notice decision to go... I always wanted to do my master's outside of Germany. Mm -hmm. So for a long time, I thought I would go either to the Netherlands or to the UK, um, because it's relatively inexpensive to do that. Um, And in the end, my finances allowed me to go beyond that and... I essentially decided to, on short notice, apply a few, send out a few applications to the United States um, and or Australia as well. And uh, in the end, I I only sent two applications in the United States. Uh, One was USF down in Tampa, and then the other one was Arizona State University. so both fairly warm climates. Uh,
0: I was wondering if that was um, a choice, a yeah. deliberate
1: choice. Um, do you like really. Tampa? I like Tampa. Tampa is wonderful.
0: It is a neat... I used to live just south of Tampa in Bradenton, yes. Florida. So um, I
1: have visited a few times by now.
0: Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, it is. It's, it's, it's a pretty nice yeah. area. So what do you think when you come to Meadows of Dan? Have you ever... Lived in a small village now that you've been here a number of times uh what do you think of Meadows of Dan?
1: If you live in a small village in Germany, which i I would say I have done, but compared to Meadows of Dan, even that was incredibly large <laughs> um, so even the the small village that I grew up in my teen years in Germany was still I think seven thousand people living there and then not over a, a big distance like Meadows of Dan, which how many people live in actual downtown Meadows of Dan, mm-hmm. who knows, maybe a right. hundred people at most?
0: Right. Well here on not, here on the mountain I always think of the uh uh voting, the okay. electoral sure. Uh, right here in, within our voting district, we have just shy of a thousand people. Okay. So that equi- but is equivalent. But
1: over what size of, of well, land do they live? Up know, here on,
0: on top uh, of the mountain yeah. within Patrick County. Sure. So that's not even talking the people who border in Floyd okay. County. So you probably have up here maybe 3,000 people if okay. you count. Sure. The, but, you're, but you're counting a area of twenty square miles, twenty right? Yes, square indeed. Miles. Right, right. And right. The, the
1: six to seven thousand people in my small village probably lived within three square miles or something. Exactly. You know, it was actually there was a core village which then had new developments surrounding it, and actually, actually like large stores and
0: sure, everything sure.
1: associated with it. And uh, then, surely people were living out of that as well, and their little farms and whatnot,
0: but um, yeah Patrick County and yeah. specifically Meadows of Dan is a very rural community yeah. so what so, do you think about that have uh, I'm just asking because a lot of our listeners are you here. know are local oh, and, obviously and um
1: I like it it's it's fun, especially fun compared to. Um, Tampa as well as then where I grew up in Germany it's, you actually have a little bit of expanding areas that you can just relax in and hike and go biking um, you know and sure you have to drive maybe 45 minutes or something to go to Mount Erie if you yeah. want Anything that goes beyond the basic necessities of life, which you can get in town, but um, yeah, no, it's 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 fun. And you I really made, like it here.
0: And you've made some friends. Yes, yeah,
1: I would say so. Yes,
0: I think it's very cool that that you're friends with um, Rebecca and Jonathan Adcock, a local yes. veterinarian, and of course Rebecca is now uh, the director of our Chamber of Commerce for the county. Yes, so. Yes. I think
1: a vice mayor of Stewart,
0: and that's right vice mayor of our county seat so I mean that's just yes, sort that's, of uh, yeah if you're going to meet anyone you've, you've met two very very good people
1: yeah I mean I, I, I have not right. I, whenever I come here I always stay with Peter and Kathleen mm-hmm. um, so most people that I've met I've met through them
0: mm-hmm.
1: right chief of among them uh Beth and Leslie Beth and Uh, Leslie (laughs) um, from the very first visit in 2013 um, and every single time since and over the years through various engagements and parties and little events you know there have been a a larger and larger group of people that I would call friends and certainly Jonathan and and Rebecca are among them as well as... um, Jesse Benson and Chris Ormsby who I think recently or a year or two ago moved uh, to the area and are building their own houses near Buffalo Mountain.
0: Yes, in fact, you will find that the the people, as I know you have found, who do end up settling here or a local like Leslie are interesting characters.
1: Oh, certainly. (laughs) So many artists I've never... Um, met so many people that are either making crafts or being artists um, in, in such a s- relatively small community you know and so such a vibrant art scene and craft scene
0: And that's true you know, and the fact that we live right here on a national park indeed the Blue Ridge Parkway indeed yes Well, you know, one thing I've enjoyed getting to know... I mean, you've just become a part of our Christmas. Sure, You know, that's... (laughs) It's
1: the the third Christmas season that I've now spent here. Yes,
0: yes, where we could have dinner together and and celebrate. What is Christmas like in Germany? I
1: would say it's a lot similar. Um, Sure, there's different Christmas songs, though...
0: Oh Tannenbaum Sure You know
1: Certainly a few German Christmas songs Have made it over here And certainly over the last Maybe 20 years 30 years A lot of American Christmas songs Have made it over to Germany Um But Other than that Um Sure People celebrate typically Uh Christmas On Christmas Eve Right So The gift Giving And all that stuff Happens on Christmas Eve Um which kind of spreads out a little bit of the excitement um of Christmas and that you typically meet with your family on Christmas Eve as well as on Christmas Day um to celebrate. Um, then Germany actually has a second Christmas holiday on the twenty sixth as well. Boxing,
0: Boxing day. Boxing Day,
1: sure. We don't call it Boxing Day, but um
0: what right, do so you there's call? two
1: it's just the first day of Christmas and the second day of Christmas. Oh really? Um oh. you know, Christmas holiday day, essentially. And um so people have two mandatory days of work off.
0: Mm-hmm. So
1: there's a little bit more relaxation, there's no hurry to immediately travel back after seeing your family on Christmas Day or something like that. Um it's a little bit more spread out.
0: I like that. Yeah. Yes. And, yeah, other than that. Is it a religious holiday? I mean, you hear you hear nowadays how Europe and so many places have you know uh, been sliding away from the church. But is I that... would
1: say, um, on average, most well, a lot of people go to church on Christmas that don't go to, to church around the year at all. Oh, that you know, that happens here so too let me have, reassure uh, you <laughs> surely many people maybe go for Easter and then for Christmas twice mm-hmm. a year um, to church and attendance certainly jumps up probably by more than 50% for right. those holidays right um, but I wouldn't say I wouldn't connect Christmas in Germany typically with the church at all I would say it's largely a commercialized holiday nowadays is that right it's largely about gift giving especially with children
0: mm-hmm. um you know Santa, well... the,
1: the Weihnachtsmann which is Santa you know comes and brings the, the the gifts and it's not about um the sharing of love or
0: something mm-hmm but, well, I know, and that's probably true here too, to some extent. Or do you yeah. feel that it's more um, culturally speaking? What what are some of the differences that you notice in our culture that are so just totally alien to you? Regarding Christmas? Well, or anything at this um, point.
1: Hmm. Regarding Christmas, I don't think that Peter and Kathleen celebrate a typical American Christmas either, given that Peter's family comes from Hungary and he's essentially the first generation American. Mm-hmm, that's so true. there's still the European background there that in tradition is being kept up. So I'm not sure if I actually celebrated a true American Christmas ever, Um Because most of the baked goods that we produce here in the household are certainly uh, more from the European tradition, maybe outside of like a a peanut butter chocolate cookie, which is pretty American.
0: Oh, Um, yes, definitely, um, with the Hershey's Kiss on top. Indeed. (laughs) Um, But But anything... um... I guess maybe that you notice in in Tampa amongst your friends, have people been friendly with you? And uh, as as an international person, you know, that's I've never
1: big... seen never seen any issues. You know, mm-hmm. and it might certainly be that I could pass as an American, right? Safe for my accent,
0: mm-hmm. right? Uh,
1: I don't stick out as maybe the Latino population or something. Um, might do when they come into a community, but mm.
0: um, well, that know, part I'm, of Florida has quite a few Germans.
1: Yes, actually, yeah. Two of my, two of my professors are German. Is that right? And uh, ah. I know a fair number of Germans, or have met a fair number of Germans at USF over the over the years. So there's plenty of people around.
0: How about food-wise? Um
1: I really enjoy the the increased diversity of american foods um you know in in Germany sure, you get like Italian food and you get a little bit of um French and other european influences but the the whole uh latin american south American influence is completely missing so mm-hmm. I uh, the law, uh, enjoy the, a lot of the, the fusion few foods. And the, well, of the course, in
0: Tampa, you do have that. Oh, definitely. Yes, yes, that would be good. How about, and of course, when you come up here, um, I don't really cook, and Leslie doesn't really cook, and Peter and Kathleen, it's a little less typical, um, Kathleen being Midwestern, do you get the cornbread and beans and some of the, the southern cuisine or mountain cuisine that we have here? I don't think so. Have you um, had cornbread and beans yet? Uh, not in Virginia. Oh, we're going to have to rectify that situation. <laughs> Certainly, we can do that. Yes. I'm looking
1: forward to it, you know.
0: Okay. Oh, that's, that's something to put on our calendar for your next visit. We're Certainly. going to feed Felix Southern. Well, I'm not really Southern, I guess. Mountain. Sure. Let's call it mountain. We can do that. Um, yeah. I'm open to, to anything, so... <laughs> Well, we got to go take a trip the other day, didn't we? And go down to Abington. So what did you think about southwestern Virginia and that experience of the Barter Theater? Uh, It was
1: fun. I'd never been there, obviously. Um, We had a couple of times we had thought about and talked about um, maybe taking a trip to Abington and the Barter. But... uh, this time around it finally materialized with a uh, uh, seeing the Santa Land Diaries uh, play uh, the one man play of David Sedaris um right and it was fun the whole experience was actually the first time that I saw a play in the United States since I moved here
0: oh is that um, right
1: yeah so uh mm. I had talked about doing it a few times, but had always backed out on the last minute, given that typically, it's fairly expensive, obviously, and being on a student budget, um, the opportunities are far and few between.
0: So what, have you had a chance to do anything in Tampa, you know, like go to a baseball game or... I've
1: been to a baseball game, I've been to a hockey game. Mm-hmm. Um, I've actually not been to a football game yet. Um, I've been to a USF soccer game. I've been to a USF uh, softball game. Been to a USF basketball game. Oh my goodness! Um, okay. Or multiple ones, uh, in fact. And uh, yeah, it's all it's it's fun. It's an interesting experience, but. Yeah, at some point I got to do the football thing.
0: Yes. <laughs> you know, it's funny cuz talking all this about cryptocurrency yeah. and and the whole bit uh it slips my mind that you're actually a college student and you are experiencing things like campus life oh, yeah, and basketball certainly. games and yeah. such. Yeah. How how do the um the dating scene differ or or are you just too busy? Or tell um, tell Aunt Beth it's none of her business. <laughs> <laughs> um, I wouldn't say it
1: varies too much. Um, certainly, I never thought about doing online dating before coming to the U.S. But I think, you know, the whole online... So I think Germany might be a little more traditional in that sense.
0: Oh, but, hmm.
1: um I think even in Germany it has changed a lot over the last four years Mm -hmm. with the emergence of the more app-based dating systems instead of like OkCupid or whatever. So So.
0: tell me why maybe that's just your age group that that would appeal to you. Do you feel like you you get the preliminaries out of the way that, that you... Talk about, um, you know, by an online dating service, people have already answered some of the basic questions. Uh,
1: certainly. But it also, I don't know, it, it's it's fairly shallow, to be honest. <laughs> um, I don't like it too much.
0: But um, you have done it? I
1: have done it, but I've stopped maybe a year ago. Okay. Um, because I... If push comes to shove, I had to focus on school. Good and boy, good boy, well, good it's, answer. It's important. it uh, is, <laughs> yes, yes. way more important than anything else. So given that it's right based on my visa, that's why I'm here, nothing else. That's so right. that's the, the focus. And then between doing my school work and working for the university that is essentially what you, more than a full-time job.
0: Oh, yeah. What do you do for the university?
1: Um, for a long time, I was a teaching assistant.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And since last semester, I am now teaching my own course.
0: Well, and, I didn't know that, Professor. Yes. Tell us what you teach. <laughs>
1: um, last semester and this upcoming semester, I, will te- I was and will teach um, Introduction to Comparative Politics, which essentially... Um, gives both a theoretical and then case overview and introduces students to a variety of different governmental systems of how to govern states. And obviously there's, right, the U.S. is one model of a democracy, but there's other models for democracies out there. Um, And then plenty of non-democratic systems as well as we go a little bit in history regarding um, communist societies and the Soviet Union and Russia and the um, transition phases from communism to democracy, um, or not democracy, based on some countries, Um, right? So there's a little bit of history element in there, recent history, very recent history. Very recent. Um, But then also a lot of conceptual things about how citizens are governed by the state
0: i was just talking with a friend the other day about how any of us of a certain age which i would guess maybe 45 and older 50 older um we always grew up with this whole idea of the iron curtain and the ussr and and East Germany and Poland, and you know, as being these communist countries Certainly. that had this aura about them. Yeah. Um, and I think that notch, all changed. Uh, By the time you were born, that's yes. not there anymore. And it's so odd to think that our children and grandchildren are growing up in a world that didn't exist. Even when, relatively not that long ago, yeah. that I grew up with,
1: and I think the the biggest issue is and was the lack of information about what was on the other side, mm-hmm. right? Because there was no access for journalists and access for researchers, for the most part. Um,
0: oh, there was a mystique. You're you're absolutely right. right. So the,
1: the lack of knowledge allowed for kind of propaganda on both sides to manifest itself and to have like this stereotypical point of view on the other side system as well as maybe an uh, overly positive view of, the, of your own side system. Of course. Right? <laughs> um, and I certainly grew up on the, in West Germany not former Eastern Germany, but fairly close to the border.
0: Oh, that's um, true. You were close to the border. So you all must have thought that the East Germans um, lacked a lot of the things that you had, at least the material goods. Yes, and
1: that actually, I would say, was true for the most part. Mm-hmm. right? So like ownerships and cars, but also access to some elementary and general staples of food uh, in most areas behind the Iron Curtain were oftentimes lacking. Like Mm -hmm. um, the idea that you can go to a store and buy bananas all day long every year every day of the year has been around in the US most certainly for the last 40 or 50 years at the very least. Yes. Right? And... um, all that doesn't exist on, on behind the Iron Curtain at the time so
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know if you were lucky you, you found bananas a few days of the year and then there was the big run and they were sold out immediately so chances are you heard about bananas in the store but didn't actually see them or actually get them
0: exactly so one of
1: the, the big things after the the Iron Curtain came down was that East Germans went to the west, and the first thing that they did was went to stores and just checked out what you could buy uh. and immediately it was apparent that the variety was quite different. The options was quite, were quite different than the options that you had on the eastern side
0: and Germany has it um, has it melded well. I would say so. There were some fairly large
1: subsidies put in place um, to get the eastern states back, not back up to par, but um, increase development relatively quickly there. Then obviously there was a lot, um, many state business offices were either shut down or privatized uh, on the eastern side. Uh, oftentimes with the privatization came a very large, um, effort at automation or more
0: the technological, technological yeah so
1: less people were employed typically um, so for a long time and I think still is the the empl- unemployment in the east is a little bit higher than in the west mm-hmm. um, but also a lot of well educated uh, east germans moved to west germany um relatively soon in the years after the reunification
0: so um, so it was it was a desire to
1: become so.
0: more like the capitalistic democratic system. once the
1: opportunity was there certainly people took those opportunities right if they were able to move and didn't have families or even took their whole families and moved to the west mm-hmm. um, and they were welcome
0: Wow. And that is a whole nother topic. You know what? Yeah. We're going to do another interview with you a year from now. And we're going to catch up on the bitcoins. Certainly. Catch up on your date and life. Catch up on so many different things because you have just really been fascinating and we're sounds good so i'm looking glad. forward to it already all right so leslie well we really appreciate you coming to visit with us felix thank and you for having me yeah our show notes can be
1: found at Uh we also have a facebook
0: page uh, that you can like and check up on what's going on uh, we are on iTunes. We are, and we're also on Stitcher Radio. Uh, if you have that app on your phone or tablet, we hope to come back in a couple of weeks. All right, bye bye, and thank you. Bye, thank you. <laughs>